morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning and welcome to Awaken. The first Awaken... In the year of 2022, I'm your host, Mark Holcraft, with my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, brother. Great to be with you. Great to be with you, too. So, 2022, we've uh, we've entered a new era, Joe. <laughs> no. We have. Well, at least a new, at least a new year. Know, era. Wow, that's pretty dramatic. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing like a little melodrama. Yeah. Uh, um, which I, I, I already digress of, of how we can go on a tangent with that, but you know, and we're just starting good to know we're picking yeah. up where we left off on the world of tangents. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and yet we've talked about this before too. Uh, what often it comes off as a tangent. It, it's actually, it's a part of a holy conversation. Sure. Um, and that's sure. what we're inviting our listeners into, uh, today. You know, if you're just joining awaken, or if you're not familiar with the, uh, awaken program here with real presence radio, um, I join my brother, Dr. Joe, who joins us from Ohio. Um, he works with the Avila Institute. You heard the, in the introduction, the Higher Calling Program. And as we have our discussions, usually reflecting some scriptural reflections, um, you, you, we, we pick up on some of these different details from Joe's experience in life formation, my experience in life formation, um, and really but lifting up what the Holy Spirit and what the church has taught and professed for thousands of years. Um, but in particular, Joe and I are taking a look at, in the area of sacred scripture, how Jesus asked 307 questions, is asked 183 questions, and only answers three questions. No, we're not going to tackle 307 questions today. <laughs> you want to do that, Joe? <laughs> no, and, and quite honestly, I'm not sure if we're going to get through all 307 yeah. course of of you know this this theme this topic, but certainly we're going to get into a lot of them. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so we're we're diving into the gospels today. We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter seven, verse three, where Jesus asked this specific question: Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? So before we take a deeper look into this scripture and what Jesus is saying and what he's getting at, uh, let's begin in prayer. Hmm. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for uh, a small uh, taste of uh, a little bit warmer weather for our winter here. Lord, we thank you for your beauty and your goodness that you reveal in the cold, and in the snow, and in the frost. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us. Move in us, immerse us uh, in your sacred scripture. Father, please bless us with the mind of your Son, the mind of Jesus, as we dive into a deeper awareness, how your Holy Scripture calls us to holiness, and how your Holy Scripture ultimately uh, is a point of fulfillment in our sonship and daughterhood to you. Open our hearts, our minds, our souls to your truth and beauty. 
that we can receive it, engage it, and live it out. Blessed Mother, we ask for your intercession in all these things, and in the the intercession, the petitions that we even bring from our own hearts of whatever is happening for each of us and our listeners. Hail Mary, full of grace, grace. the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Well, you know, it's already, I I wet the palate, right? We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 3. And uh, immediately, I read the scripture, but I think it'd be so good, Joe, for us, because I I opened up saying we're going to be talking about fraternal correction, and immediately, Jesus wastes no time. Why do you notice a splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? You know, and, and immediately, I think... There's, there's so much that could be said, but uh, I liked how you were already approaching. One of the first questions is, okay, we immediately, we immediately need to take a look at what's the objective truth to this and the subjective uh, truth, or I should say objective and subjective quality to the nature yeah. of this, huh? Yeah, so I think there's two things off the top, off the top mark that need to be said. The first of which... Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, the question, and, and there's two questions there, right, in, in verse 3 that I know we'll read. Uh, they, they form both the two verses that come before and after, right? There is the tendency to just lock into Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where Jesus says, do not judge. And certainly, um, all around us, just not locally or nationally, but internationally and globally, do do people look at this within even Christian and Catholic circles and say we should never judge. Uh, but certainly, as Jesus says, do not judge, there's context, as we've emphasized before. And to best get at that context, what we have to first say then is this. Uh, as Jesus says, do not judge— he actually gets into, after verse 3, that to some degree, right, we judge according to the law of God. So chapter uh, chapter 7, verse 3, uh, forms the verses before and then also the, the verses after. Give us understanding to the verses before and after. And so when you talk about what is objective and subjective, Mark, what we are made to see is that, yeah, sure, we are made to judge what is objective. And by objective, we mean external, revealed seen, right? We make judgments all the time, and we can and we should based upon what we see. If I'm walking down a back alley and I see a drug deal going down with about 10 people and I identify guns, do I just walk through that? No. (laughs) I see that, identify that that could be trouble. I make a judgment of the situation for my own well-being and good, and I, you know, take another route, right? Uh, We have Red lights and green lights. If, if I run a red light, right, I'm making a poor judgment. So we judge all the time based upon what is external, revealed, and seen. What Jesus is talking about here, Mark, specifically in this opening verse, and we're going to unpack this, is, you know, we don't judge what is subjective, and by that, what is hidden, un, unseen, and unknown, right? We don't know the disposition of the heart. And this we do not judge. This is is what he condemns. So uh, when you talk about judgment and judging, that has to be understood 
off the top. And, and, and certainly verse three and those two questions get to the heart of it. Essentially, Matthew chapter seven, verses one to five offer up for us, Mark, a how to, to least of which um, starts with the, the that all important virtue of humility. So why don't we jump into these verses? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, and, um, so I'm, I'm going to read the broader context because we're certainly already painting that picture. So verses 1 to 5, chapter 7, begins, Stop judging that you may not be judged. For as you judge, so will you be judged, and the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove that splinter from your eye while the wooden beam is in your eye? You hypocrite. Remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. Hmm. And, and, and that's really, Joe, that, that verse 5 is while Jesus is admonishing, and we'll even come to that word a little bit later, it really it's calling out like we need, let's pursue humility. Pursue that humility, that self-awareness, that greater awareness to the bigger picture and realizing we're, we are more often than we'd like to realize a very small part of that bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Joe, I want to, to come back is you, when you're talking about objective quality, subjective quality, it, I just thought it was worth noting. I think for a lot of us who are learning and we come to so greatly value and appreciate that notion of objective the objective quality, the objective truth, objective reality. I think sometimes the temptation is to get locked in or caught up in that's all that matters, and then almost to treat subjective quality or subjective reality almost as a bad thing. But what yeah. you're saying is it's not a bad thing. You, you know, it's not a, a temptation for me to say, well, it is what it is, but that's not true necessarily true either. It's not it is what it is. But it is often what the lived experience is for someone, because we never know what's what's happening in their heart. What kind of what, where is their conscious formation? So, in so many of these areas, and yet the importance of that objective quality is, as you said earlier, it's what it is. What is the external revealed and seen? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas mm-hmm. the subjective points to what we may not see. Um, I just I yeah. I think it's worth noting that. Subjective quality is not a bad thing in and of itself for those of us who are just fall in love with, oh gosh, this understanding of objective quality is freeing and that's all that matters. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He doesn't say I am uh, a way, but the way, Uh, not not, uh, a life, but the life, right? And so... Uh, Jesus is speaking in, into the imperative absolute. There, there's, there is such a thing as, as absolute truth. And, and on a level, one can fall in love with that. But Jesus Christ, who is the uh, absolute truth and the incarnation of truth, is also uh, love itself, right? And charity itself. And so that's always, I, I think, Mark, the, the tension um, that we find um, justice, mercy, truth, love, and certainly that'll be a part of our conversation today because it's really important to to, to get inside that tension, right, of what it means to be gentle and firm. To these verses, Mark, as we're, as we're speaking to them, I think something that's really important, because you used a word there that 
is is certainly an important one with respect to um, the hidden. And I used it as well. You know, no one has access to the hidden intentions that animate another's actions, right? Nor can one know another's level of culpability as determined by their circumstances. And, and that's really important to this conversation, Mark. And we can even add to that their level of moral or re- religious instruction. Yeah. And so we have this tendency that, that you were speaking to as well, um, where we are prone to make unwarranted generalizations about a person's character on the basis of, say, this sin or, or, or that transgression. And this is the kind of judgmentalism, if you will, that, of course, Jesus says is unacceptable. It is not the business of a Christian to be that confident moralist who's constantly passing judgment on those who stumble before us. Uh, something we have to be mindful of, Mark, and and we, when you start talking about justice and mercy, truth and love, certainly this begins the conversation. Um, often is the case, and, and, and this includes you and I, Mark, our stumbles, our faults, our weaknesses that others see that people pass judgment on, are often tied to our woundedness, our brokenness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so Jesus comes to us in mercy. And, and in this passage, he is not saying, you know, do not judge in some definitive, absolute way. No, because verse 5 actually suggests otherwise. And certainly he talks about the importance of judging. And we'll talk about this later, uh, later in the Gospel of Matthew. But here he is emphasizing the need to show mercy. Right? I mean, what does he go on to say? You read verses 1 and 2, Mark. I mean, stop judging that you may not be judged. For as you judge, so you will be judged, and the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. So, ultimately, what is Jesus saying there? That the person who judges others will face an equally severe judgment in return. For as you judge, so you will be judged. You know, this echoes the Beatitudes, right, Mark, on mercy. Be merciful, for I, I will have mercy on those who, who are merciful, right? I, I tell my students when I'm teaching, um, note my mercy to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that God might be merciful to me. If only um, more teachers would say such things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyhow here, Mark, I, I think what's important is for us, if, is for us to understand that uh, we have to be compassionate, right? Compassio to suffer yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as to enter into the mystery of the, the stumbling, to, so as to enter into the mystery of the weakness. And again, this does not mean, as we'll get into later, the need to admonish or reprove. No, but again, we're talking about attention that we need to enter into. Uh, G.K. Chesterton called this uh, attention, and that is... The, the mystery of entering into understanding a situation so as to better listen first and foremost, for sure, but also re- respond to the situation. Uh, and, and so Jesus says, be careful, you know, stai tento, as they would say in Italy, be careful, because if you are not, um, you will be judged accordingly. And God is calling for something, and, and what he's calling for is no doubt truth, but also, first and foremost, mercy. And the mercy comes, Mark, in the form 
of listening, better understanding the, the, the situation, so as to better respond. Well, and Joe, the Lord is giving us instructions on how to form communal life. You know, mm-hmm. We can't expect to avoid conflict or those uh, you know, struggling with relationships. Um, it's not going to be always honky-dory with those, you know, oh, we're kindred spirits is never going to be a wrong between us by way of relationship, whether it's familial relationship, friendship, professional relationship in the office or work, or the many varieties that are there. But here it is. Jesus is instructing us and giving us formation. There's so much here. But let's talk about the imagery that the Lord is using. You yeah, hypocrite, the question. remove yep. the wooden beam from your eye first. That's, yep. <laughs> you know, it's almost, uh, it's almost funny, actually. The imagery, because it's like, that's That's strong. Um, yep. But not not unusual in, in Hebrew fashion to use the strong imagery. But say yeah. more about that. Yeah, uh, something to remember here, Mark, is that it was um, classic uh, rabbinical teaching to use imagery so as to exaggerate, so as to make a point, right? It, it, it's funny. Today we say, uh, don't embellish. And no doubt embellishment can be uh, a form of lying uh, at, at the, the most, um, at the very least, just an unnecessary exaggeration that can be sinful. But what's interesting is in, in classic, again, in classic rabbinical teaching, imagery to emphasize or exaggerate something was a, a, was what they did, right? So here you Jesus... Point. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. So here Jesus is talking about this splinter, Right? He, he, and the idea is ultimately, yeah, to give comic relief on one hand, but certainly to, ser- to, to highlight a point, a, a much more serious point, um, that <laughs> it can happen where if we fail to examine ourselves, and this is what this image is about, right? Self-examination. If we fail to self-examine, we will fail the call to properly judge, right? The wooden beam jutting out of your eye, right? And and it's interesting, some translations render it splinter, but really it's a large wooden beam that is jutting out of your eye. Um, you know, a lot of us like to think that we have 20-20 vision when it comes to seeing the mistakes of others, um, where the, the splinter in our quote-unquote brother's eye is so obvious, but Jesus is saying um, friend, <laughs> friend, <laughs> look in the mirror and see the splendor, the wooden beam jutting out of your own eye. And then, and then you will have the necessary disposition to judge as you need to judge. And of course, again, this image, this, this parable of sorts, um, uh, is to highlight the virtue of humility, uh, because if we do this, then certainly we are taking the first step that is necessary to have that right conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mark, and I, I know we're coming up on a break, and this will kind of be our lead point coming out of the break. But something we have to remember is that humility is the fountainhead of all virtues, right? No humility, no virtue. Uh, but humility is side by side with the virtue of truthfulness. And so you can't have one without the other. And this is, in the end, what Jesus is after. 
that we might see truth for what it is based upon the disposition of humility. From there, we'll jump into our break and we'll come right back so we can pick up from where we're leaving off. You're listen, listening to Awaken on Real Presence Radio. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. One of the gentlemen who works with the high school students uh, came to the faith through the radio station. Oh, he uh, awesome. uh, he kind of was was he he said more or less he was an atheist, didn't have any working faith at all, and he started listening to the radio station just out of curiosity at first. But then he found the answers compelling. You know, he had this impression that religion really didn't have the answer to these meaningful questions. And he would flip to the radio station and he would continue listening because he was intrigued by the answers. And he would listen more and more. And eventually, after several months, he said to himself, I don't have any more hang-ups. I don't have any more objection. I don't have a coherent reason at why I'm not Catholic. Wow. But just like you said, when you're in your home, you can turn on the radio and get those answers that you're thirsting for. And he did. And it started with Real Presence Radio. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken. This is Mark Hallcraft. We are talking fraternal correction, which, let's face it, that is not an exciting thing to immediately want to engage. Like, oh, awesome. <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, if you're just joining in, really where we want to approach this next segment is um, the importance of engaging the idea of fraternal correction. And Jesus is really drawing this out in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. But the importance that in that spirit of mercy, um, our call to humility. And, and Joe, we were talking just briefly through the break um, the connection of humility and, and even just jumping in a brief moment. Yeah, I want to say jumping away from one scripture to the other, but the beauty of scripture is it's meant to weave in and out of each other. Um, so jumping to the gospel of Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 15. Um, Mark, let me just interject real yeah, fast. Yeah, you bet. With respect to that point um, about humility and truth before we jump into Matthew eighteen fifteen. Um, and really what lies at the heart of the question itself, 
right, with regards to the splinter or, or the wooden beam. Ultimately, what Jesus wants us to understand, and we are just um, at best echo chambers of what Jesus is saying in the gospel, Mark. What he wants us to understand when he says, remove the splinter out of your eye, is that we need to recover our sight, <laughs> right? And that recovery, uh, recovery of sight entails self-examination and a commitment to change. And Mark, that's the first truth. We must first look to ourselves and be willing to deal with our own problems before we deal with another person's problems. Okay? And of course, how do we do this? But repentance, confession. (laughs) And then Jesus says in verse 5, effectively, then you will see. Right? Then you will see what you need to see. I'm out from being first in God, then will we properly exist for other. Once we go inside, right, of a heart, then will we better understand the hearts of others. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about God first, self first, and, and not in an inappropriate, selfish way. No. Jesus is saying, recover your sight, take the splinter out of your own eye, and as you do recover your sight, you know, part of that process is self-examination, commitment to change, repentance, confession, this is what we're after, and certainly this is what Jesus wants us to see in these verses. Thanks, Joe. And I'm going to pick up from there. Um, so, Matthew eighteen fifteen, it reads, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. Joe, this is significant because, let's face it, in our day and our time, but not just our day and time, (laughs) all throughout history, when we feel that we have been, if someone comes to us to point out our mistake, you know, it's a real, it's a temptation uh, to want to, one, defend yourself, to want to explain why you made the mistake so as to justify the mistake or the sin. Um, It's immediately, it's it's an inward, you're protecting yourself, Mm -hmm. and yet it's Mm -hmm. not freeing. It's not freeing, and yet the desire to protect oneself. Um, And yet, as you were saying, in that that call to humility, it all of a sudden, when we are corrected, to look outward in the sense of the whole world does not evolve around you, right? And so when someone calls out that mistake, uh, it is an act of love. It is an act of charity. It is an act of mercy. Um, And at the same time, it's an act of mercy to receive it. Um, But... Boy, we got to be gentle with this, Joe. We got to be gentle in how you, you know, if you feel compelled, if a person feels compelled, if any of our brothers and sisters listening in right now feel compelled to call out one's mistake, that it was that is genuinely, whether it's a sinful tendency or a misjudgment, whatever that looks like, um, to uh, to go with a spirit of true charity and gentleness. Um, it's almost its own its own art, Joe. Yeah, and I would say I, I know I, I use the phrase to mark call out, you know, call someone out. That you know, that's just a phrase we right, use, right? I think in society, and really maybe the better phrase. I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe the better phrase is call into, hmm. because what we're doing is we're calling someone into a more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The interesting thing here, Mark, I was asked this question actually maybe two weeks ago. Uh, 
what is the most difficult work of mercy? I was talking about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, and someone said, what is the most difficult? Now, that that's a relative question to, to, to a degree because, sure. you know, there's seven corporal, seven spiritual. Uh, many of us are familiar with most of them, if not all of them. Yeah, each each uh, work of mercy is profoundly redemptive and um, and ultimately one that we are in all that we are called to to participate in the one that jumped out to me is admonishment right so the call to admonish is a spiritual work of mercy um you know pope francis says (laughs) admonishment and, and people might be shocked shocked to hear this that pope francis actually said this but in his opening address to the year of mercy back in 2014 he said the call to admonish is equal to the call to give food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty. And <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. Why? And, and one can even argue that the, the spiritual works of mercy, because their eternal significance, uh, some saints are, argue, are, are more important to the level, again, that, you know, more than manna is here, right, as Jesus says. Um, but it, it just highlights the significance of admonishment being, Mark, a work of mercy, um, and, and one that we are called to enter into by way of, you use the virtue of gentleness, and that's an important virtue, Mark, because the virtue of gentleness is actually the one virtue that is highlighted most by Paul. In mm. fact, you can, I think, find in five different epistles, St. Paul, when he's talking about this call to fraternal correction, and St. Paul talks about it a lot. He ties it to different virtues. The one he ties it to most is the virtue of gentleness. And now, the virtue of gentleness, Mark, is not a soft pat on the back. You know, I think we just kind of have this image playing on, you know, playing around in our mind. It, it's rather an attitude by which we are free from harshness and violence. That's what St. Paul's after. It's more about disposition. A fruit of the spirit, if you will, to, to be more precise. Sure. So gentleness is not weakness, but the attitude by which we, we free ourselves from any excess chatter. And in that sense, gentleness accompanies that all-important principle of, of listening more so as to speak better. I, I was touching upon that earlier. Gentleness as a virtue market has a way of creating space for a conversation to happen. What I find fascinating in that verse you read, Mark, Matthew 18, verse 15, you know, tell him. And the Greek there is uncover for him. And, and, and the, the, there's additional Greek there as it relates to the, the reproving that speaks to uh, make clear your moral reasoning, reasoning and argument for, for what's going on. But, but what must that include? The space be, to be able to have a conversation. Right, because anytime you you go to, to your brother in Christ and say, "Hey, you know, I've I've noticed this going on," and uh, you know, just to let you know that, that according to you know the revelation of Jesus, you need to be present to A, B, and C. Um, you said it, Mark. Typically, there's some kind of reaction. Maybe not. Maybe the the admonishment, the reproof is received well. Um, I've been on both sides of it, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've received it well and i haven't received yeah. it well ditto, you know? ditto. yeah if anybody if, if we're I, being honest we we have to yeah 
Yeah, uh, I've 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 thrown I've thrown many of of, of temper tantrums, if you will. Uh, but as I have, by God's grace, I have received admonishment. Um, and I, I speak to this, Mark, because in my own experience, and, and I've got to believe that this is many experiences that many people have had, that, uh, you know, when the, when the admonishment, when the conversation, when the dialogue ensues, right, in, in that one-on-one uh, conversation, when it ensues, it is a dialogue. It is a conversation. There is a back and forth. Um, there is a listening and there is a responding, right? And, and so that's what's at the heart of what Jesus wants us to see there, for sure, um, in the light of, of, of the virtue of gentleness. And, Joe, and just for our listeners, just to give a quick synopsis, because we were talking about the spiritual work of mercy regarding admonishing sinners, you know, so to admonish sinners— even even that it's like it can be and again now this might be sometimes the negative aspect of subjective listening and and even maybe an inappropriate understanding of subjectivity but we hear that and it's quick to assume oh so you just think you have the right to correct everybody like you're holier than thou again that reactionary um reactionary response and almost a response from that person who's saying you just think you're holier than now, almost like a victimization type response. It's not. To admonish sinners, it's with the acknowledgement we are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, St. Paul reminds us in Romans. So I see this real quick. So what are the spiritual works of mercy? To instruct the ignorant, one, two, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, to pray for the living and the dead. And so, so with this word gentleness, gosh, this is finding its way. It's it's a a common line through all these spiritual works of mercy, really. Yes, um, yes. And and I love what you said regarding gentleness. Almost defining it is really true gentleness at its heart, at its core, it's free from harshness and violence. And so it it's not surprising, and it's a kind of another way of saying what you said earlier, Joe, and that in approaching a situation where there might be a need for that, as you calling out or more calling into, right? Calling into, uh, we approach with gentleness. That gentleness, it's so disarming. And so mm-hmm. that tendency to want to um, react violently or even be harsh and, and maybe brass uh, or, or, you know, the, the hardness of heart just even gets harder. But how that gentleness is so disarming. Quick story, Joe. I think of um, our nephew, Aaron, they're in a, they were in a very horrible situation. I won't share too much other than he was faced with an incredible challenge of having to forgive someone who caused a lot of pain to their family. And to the point that it was brought in kind of to a public arena, right? And you might be very well aware. But for our listeners, what I just want to point out, it was a public arena, very charged emotionally, lots of people personally invested and this person who did this wrongdoing, you just see he was, his face was getting harder and hardened and protective and even his parents until Aaron, I think maybe even a few others, but Aaron verbalized in front of everyone, I forgive you. Hmm. And the hardness of, in the, in the tension in the room hmm. just melted. Hmm. And the disposition of almost everyone involved changed, you know, and that, hmm absolutely a work of the spirit uh, 
but the grace of gentleness. And, you know, another spiritual work of mercy to bear wrongs patiently. But in this regard, to admonish sinners, it is disarming. That, that grace and gift and that fruit of the Spirit, as you said, gentleness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Mark, too, that's part of what we're talking about, right? Because you're talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, you know, so you have three spiritual works of mercy that are interlocked, and, and all seven, for that matter, all 14 are to a degree. But from admonishment, which, you know, what are we talking about? It, it, admonishment is, it literally translates to warn, advise, or alert someone to a threat or danger. So one can sympathize, right, with someone who might overreact to something they see that's wrong. Um, but in lieu of, of, of the call to be reverent and, and, and gentle, it does open itself up to, you know, forgiveness, reconciliation, um, to bear wrongs patiently, which is another very, very difficult uh, spiritual, works of, uh, spiritual work of mercy. Uh, Mark, I don't know how much time we have left. I know in our pregame huddle, we were talking about laying out kind of a six-step process. I was, I was just wanting to go there, Joe. We got just a couple minutes left, but if you could, and I know you actually highlight it in your first book. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to get into to all of this right yeah. now, but I do. And this came out of a, numerous conversations and, and consultations. Um, so there's just six steps, and I'm just going to hit this quickly, and maybe we yeah, can pick it up do. after the break as well. But. Uh, the, the first step, and this is about you know, how, how to best approach for fraternal correction. Um, it, built into what we've already said, the first step is to be, be, be mindful of your own weakness, right? Uh, and, and to pray for the disposition of non-condemnation. I mean, charity, reverence, humility, all correction must naturally flow out of, uh, out of genuine love. Second step, pray for clarity, Right and discern when to engage in correction. Uh, timing, Mark, really is important. You know, it, it, pray for clarity. Just not. I'm not speaking to the other person's problems, but but what the Lord has put on your heart. How is God calling you to speak to this humbly? Uh, the third step, for the sake of integrity, integrity at least initially. What does Jesus say in, in Matthew 18? But Mark to. Uh, to approach someone behind closed doors, right? Very important. Um, step four, always be sure that the person you are speaking to has the experience of being listened to. Very important when you start talking about um, the response to the reaction, maybe, right, Mark? Yeah. Um, point five, under the inspiration, of course, of that first principle, um, be prepared to give sufficient expl explanation about the fault that lies at the heart of the engagement. Why, why is it wrong? Right, Mark? I mean, we have to be present to that reality. We do so humbly. This is why I say be present to the first principle. But sometimes fraternal correction goes really sideways because what we are communicating comes across very sloppy. Um, our intentions might be well, but if we're not uh, praying and thinking clearly, discerning to how to best speak to it, it, it can go sideways. Lastly, we have to trust in God, right, Mark? Because as we've already said, corrections are not always well-received, <laughs> right? You know, some of my strongest encounters that have led to a more authentic expression of the aforementioned re reconciliation have required time. I think maybe most of us have been on both sides of that, 
So we just have to trust that God is working. Um, Joe, I'm going to so I'm going to I'm going to cut you off right there because we do need sure. to take a break. But I think yep, yep. when we come back, uh, we'll do we'll quickly run through them again, and then we'll jump into our saint of the day who embodies Joe everything everything we're discussing right now. Mm. Um, Amen. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Real Presence Radio is available on Google Assistant devices, including Google Home, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To start this action, say something like, Okay, Google, talk to Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, Play Sioux Falls, or Play AM 970, or Play WWEN. From there, you can use words like Play, Pause, and Stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Google Assistant devices. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. This is Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joe Holcraft. We're talking about fraternal correction, uh, which, frankly, Joe, I like better than conflict resolution. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, conflict resolution, obviously it has its place as far as terminology um, yeah, but gosh, is sure. it impersonal? It's impersonal in the sense of fraternal correction is really more at the heart of we're in it to encourage each other, pursue each other, uh, grow in holiness and help others to grow in holiness around us. Not that we're necessarily holier than others, but that we're, we're, we're all running the race, as St. Paul says. And so, yeah. And, and, and Mark, what is what does Jesus say? If your brother. Right. If your brother, uh, and this is why, for that reason alone, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he reflected into fraternal correction, used that phrase, fraternal correction. It's, it's a Thomistic phrase, fraternal correction. And he based it upon Matthew eighteen fifteen. So, yeah, there's conflict re- resolution. But if you're going to be able to resolve the, the conflict, 
Um, we have to be mindful, Mark, that we're, in, <laughs> we're brothers and sisters in Christ, ah, exactly. right? That we all come up short of uh, the kingdom of God if we need each other. Um, and so, rightfully so, should we use the phrase fraternal correction? And there's, I'm sure, similar phrases that that echo that, yeah. But conflict resolution, while it works it, for contexts, I think Jesus, when he says brother, um, is pointing to something, and that would be Thomas Aquinas' take. Well, and I, I even process, and Joe, I, and in just a moment, I want to rephrase the six steps, and we'll we'll quickly rephrase them. And gosh, we could easily do a whole episode on just those six steps. Uh, well, gosh, it could be so much more. That's There's classes on that, right? But even yeah. working that in, it's not just in the personal relationships, but I know for me, it's a call for me as someone who is a leader within Real Presence Radio. This is how we're called to approach each other, even within our own community of staff. You know, and I would, mm. I would offer that very mm. same uh, reflection to others who, if they're business leaders or wherever they're working, you know, whether it's a, a Christian setting or not, there is so much for us here to embrace and engage in the dialogue of, or the, in the conversation that we're having regarding fraternal correction. How do we lead, lead, you know, even, you know, on the work front, we'd like to call, we can call it, you know, work performance. And there's certainly, there's duties and responsibilities within one's work, you know, that could be very uh, menial. Uh, we need to be attentive to details. Um, but so much of it too is, well, then if there's a correction that is needed, even in a person's duties, to approach it with a gentleness. So it's not just mm-hmm. um, because for so many people, they're putting, their, they pour themselves into their work. So there's always some aspect that it is a personal experience. Uh, sure, sure. You know, can one be sensitive, too sensitive? There's those things. But I, what I appreciate is these quick, uh, these six steps that I just want to uh, quickly review in Joe. And certainly, if you can give a soundbite after I say these six things. So, and just it's repeating what you shared just before the break, right? First, be mindful of your own disposition and that, that leading with humility. If you're going to go into, call somebody into uh, further holiness, be mindful of your own disposition to lead with humility. Two, pray for clarity. Three, approach someone behind closed doors. Respect the nature of the topic. It doesn't need to be uh, brought into the public. Uh, hopefully, right? Number four, be sure the person you approach has the experience of being listened to. Five, be prepared to give sufficient, uh, sufficient reasoning as to why you are talking to them. And six, trust in God. Mm-hmm. Joe, if, if you, it would be great if you want to offer a soundbite before we go into our saint of the day. Yeah, and, and my soundbite, Mark, is, is maybe um, a, a, a reemphasizing a point that we touched upon earlier. Uh, as you were kind of going through those those six points uh, that I highlighted before the break, just that that all important truth that when we give someone the experience of being listened to, we are allowing them to exhale, to breathe, right, um, to be able to share what they need to share. And uh, you know, Mark, I don't know if you experience this. I have in, in a few cases. Um, there is where you might find um, someone talking about the rudeness, the brokenness. If you want someone to, uh, if 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 your whole point of it, of, it, of admonishing, of alerting someone um, 
to the path they are walking, the dangerous path they are walking, you're doing so with the hope to bring them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not going to happen if there's a brokenness or a woundedness. Um, if you want someone to be reconciled to God and with God, then you need to be able to enter into that mystery, Mark, um, because there will come a time where someone will share with you in time their brokenness. We are all wounded. We, we, all, we have all been hurt in different ways, Mark. Uh, maybe some more than others. I know it's relative, but uh, we are born... We are born into a very human condition, right? Uh, we come up short. And so th- what we're talking about is universal. Um, I know in my own journey of faith, when I've been admonished by the grace of God, the good Lord placed on my heart on a few occasions that it was time to open up. And I trusted that person. Why did I trust that person, Mark? Because he was compassionate. He was merciful. He let me speak. And as I began, and I'm just thinking of one case in particular, as I began to speak, um, I started talking about a particular wound from when I was young. And that um, moment became a moment of healing, right? So why is admonishment a spiritual work of mercy? Because it can be a moment of healing. And that's, if we were to leave this, this program, this episode with one thing, Mark, I think it would be that. That in the end, admonishment ought to point to healing. And if healing's involved, then so is mercy. And, and inside of that truth, should we, should we walk, right? Um, that's the path we need to walk. And I'm, I'm totally going to use that. It's a great, it, 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 you're given, I just can't help but think of our saint of the day. And yeah, sure. with so much that sure. we're discussing this morning, uh, what we see in Catherine of Siena is in great embodiment of all these qualities we're discussing. Um, she, she's probably most known for her boldness because she called into, we're, gonna, we're all about that phrase in it today, yeah. <laughs> but she, she called <laughs> yeah. into uh, uh, holiness uh, Pope Gregory XI, right? And, and we probably know her because... We know her well because in this brief time of, I think it was roughly 70 years where the papacy was residing in Avignon, France versus uh, not in Rome, Italy. And, and there's, there was all kinds of political turmoil. But be- before we go into some of that specific with Catherine of Siena's role in all that, just a little bit about Catherine of Siena. She's born uh, mid-14th century, so 1347. She was the 25th child of her mother. Um, yeah, one say of the- that again, Mark. <laughs> We're one of 11 kids and exactly. she's more than double. Exactly. Oh. And even when we say 11 kids nowadays, people are like, well, you know, we, um, we have six kids uh, and we get the reaction, oh, that's a huge family. Okay. And yet it's a peon, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, 25 children. Uh, many of her brothers and sisters did not survive childhood. Uh, so when, when, when Catherine was born, her mother was 40. Catherine is, is a twin herself, but her twin did not necessarily make it, make it out uh, or did not survive childhood, I should say. Um, she became a Dominican sister at the age of 19 and immediately became recognized for her holiness. And uh, I would say wisdom, Joe. She was receiving letters and um, letters from political dignitaries, religious leaders, uh, asking for advice, how to handle situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, tremendous. She's also known for her fasting. She would go, she would, uh, enter into deep fasting um, 
And it just in her devotional life to Jesus, her devotional life to the Eucharist was profound. Um, her love of Mary, Our Lady, profound. Um, and even within her religious community as a Dominican, um, on the surface, what we you know when we read some of her stuff, she can almost seem uh, so ascetic, so in tune with the Lord. Uh, so ascetic in her practices that mm-hmm. she was, you know, hard to approach. And yet by her community, her sisters, um, she, she, I wouldn't say easily approachable. Well, yeah, no, she was easily approachable. She was loved by her sisters. Um, yeah, yeah. No, go no, ahead, Mark, Yeah, as you're talking, one of the things that jumps out to me, and, and uh, you're, you're speaking to St. Catherine of St. Noel, one of the things that jumps out at me is that uh, she was an uneducated woman, right? So often is the case when you look at a doctor of the church, <laughs> they're a doctor of the church because of their education. Yes, well, not necessarily how they take what they've learned and ultimately apply to the faith and then expound on the faith. Um, I think we're up to, what, 37 maybe now, 37 doctors of the church St. Catherine of Siena is uh, very unique. Uh, to some degree, maybe she's side-by-side side with St. Therese in, in this case, but um, to be uneducated, right, and to be able to have the respect of the leaders um, across Western Europe was extraordinary, right? So um, on one hand, yeah, she was a mystic. She had received, no doubt, there was an infused knowledge of of God. When you read her dialogues, they're extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. You read them and you're like, uneducated, impossible. Well, you're right, impossible without God, but all things are possible with God. And that maybe in that sense, maybe she reminds me of St. Faustina, you know, the 20th century and her revelations of of divine mercy. But to St. Catherine of Siena, she was an uneducated woman. Right, who had these profound insights into deep matters, matters of the soul, the nature of the soul, grace, right, the progression of the soul to, to enter into union with God, the spiritual life in general, the way in which, Mark, she would play around with images such as blood and, and, and tears and Christ as the bridge was deeply profound. Um, so all of this is to say, Mark, as you're speaking to you know, those around her and how she was received and and how people reached out to her. Um, First and foremost, she was a woman who desired God alone. And God alone granted her extraordinary gifts. And she cooperated with those gifts, whatever that meant. I mean, she entered, we we talked about the the Corporal and Spiritual Works of Mercy. I was just going to go there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She enters into all 14. And then all the saints do. Uh, maybe some saints uh, live out some aspect of, of mercy more than others. But when you read St. Catherine of, of Siena, what makes her so unique, and I know some have highlighted her as, as one of the great saints um, in the history of the Church, maybe they have Mark because of her unique relationship with all of, of the works of mercy. Notably, notably, um, what we were talking about this morning, admonishment. Well, and it's just a couple of things because as you talked about, she was she was poorly educated, and yet here she is being visited by dignitaries, and she wrote letters upon letters. She wrote over four hundred letters responding 
to inquiries uh, to her. Um, also, you know, in the whole world of being un- uneducated, the the uh, the difference, or not the difference, but um, her mystical life. You referred to her as a mystic, Joe. When she was 21 years old, that's really when she starts to almost change her language in the sense of where she speaks of a mystical marriage to Christ, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. in, that, in yeah. that mysticism, having suffered the stigmata, yet the stigmata she suffered was invisible. So not necessarily people could see it. But so mm-hmm. that internal suffering, um, and yet through all these incredible gifts and wonders, her writings are phenomenal. Um, what stands out is how she, how the Lord used her in her role to bring the papacy back to Rome. Um, and we find, we find this, uh, this too in the letters she wrote. And I just want to read a snippet, Joe, because it talks about this fraternal correction in gent- but approached with gentleness. And at the same time, mm-hmm. it is pulled. She mm-hmm. writes, I have prayed and shall pray. And she's writing this to Pope Gregory XI. I have prayed yeah, and yeah. shall pray, sweet and good Jesus, that he free you from all servile fear and that holy fear alone remain. May ardor of charity be with you and prevent you from hearing the voice of incarnate demons, heeding the counsel of perverse counselors settled in self-love, who, as I understand, want to alarm you so as to prevent your return, saying you will die. Up, Father, like a man, for I tell you that you have no need to fear. This is, I mean, that's so powerful, and it is, uh, it's, it's gentle, but it's bold, um, but it's loving, and yeah, it's calling it him to be who he is called to be. He, she is reminding him of who he, what he said yes to, but more so who he was made to be as a man, let alone mm. as the Pope of the Church. Um, Amen. Amen, Mark. You know, my closing point would be this. We talked about Jesus calling each and every one of us to recover our sight in self-examination and this commitment to change, repentance, confession. St. Catherine of Siena says, "To To attain charity, you must dwell constantly in the cell of self-knowledge, right? So the cell of humility, right, Mark? The cell of how can I become a better Christian and Catholic? This is what opens us up to understanding just not the hearts around us, but every situation that we find ourselves in. Absolutely, Joe. I thank you. Thank you also for our listeners for tuning in to Awaken This Morning. Uh, We continue to look to the example of St. Catherine of Siena and the great saints who model for us uh, that calling into holiness, the call and the challenge of fraternal correction. So uh, please pray with me. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. Pray for us. God bless you and thanks for joining us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.